turn around every now and then I get a little bit something I don't remember this part of the turn around every time and then I can something and something 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 I eat some cookie it's nice I could eat the cookie forever Uh, <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you? Yeah. No. 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm. I'm. I'm good. So uh, I have to talk to you about a separate thing, but uh, I'm good. Good. I got some books. Can I tell you the books I got? To, uh, to, I mean, I was just gonna, you know, talk about my pain from the Bengals, but no, it's fine. Tell me about, tell me about your books. <laughs> One, Bishop Robert. Ba- yeah, I'm ignoring you. Bishop Robert Barron's Lenten Gospel Reflections. Ooh, did you get a free fire. copy of that from World yes. Fire? They never give me yes. anything. Why do they hate me? Because I'm an institute member. <sighs> what does that mean? I belong to the Institute. I've watched almost all of their videos. And let me tell you, hashtag you, worth it. Are you paying to be part of it? Okay, no. Brandon Vaught did sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Uh, but it's still beautiful. Uh, the next book I got, Life Out of Death, Meditations on the Paschal Mystery from Hans Uz von Balthasar. You love to see it. It's a nice small book. So, you know, it's like those small rats in your books. This is a good little guy. Mm-hmm. Person to person, friendship and love in the life and theology of Hans Uz von Balthasar. Who's that by? John S. Benici. Ah, Benici. <laughs> Yikes. So this is obviously an old book from 1996. Okay, nice. Thank you, Alba House, for publishing that with the Daughters of St. Paul. Then I got a book. Then I got a book that I lost, and I had this in college. Mike Hahn wrote, like, a huge, like, in I don't know, he outline of it or whatever. Uh, Jean-Cardinal Danielou, who's one of the Novel Theology, uh, the Bible and the Liturgy. And I remember reading this. It's epic. It's a, it's, it's a dense book. But it is incredible. It goes through the church fathers and the way they read the sacraments and the liturgy in general through sacred scripture and salvation history. And I remember mm-hmm. reading this book, especially the part on baptism and stuff, and just being like, it's one of those things where when you read the Bible with the fathers, the Bible, the church itself makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 So chapter two yeah. is called The Baptismal Rite. And I'm just like, that's so beautiful. So um, there's that. And then a listener, uh, David Dashiel. S- oh, how do you say it? Dashiel? Okay, we'll go with Dashiel. Ever ancient, ever new, why younger generations are embracing traditional Catholicism. And he asked me if I would read it. It has a collection of authors. I just got it like two days ago. And uh, just talking about different aspects of traditional movements in the church today. Not rad trads, but whatever. And then lastly, another Novel Theology, Charles Cardinal Journet. And his wonderful book, The Mass, The Presence of the Sacrifice of the Cross. It is awesome. And I'll tell you why it's awesome. Number one, this is, you know, like when you get a nice hardback book, like a nice, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and you love it. Like you love the way it feels. 
the dust jacket. What are your thoughts on dust jackets, Luke? Um, you know, I, I, so I kind of go back and forth. I started taking them off, and then sometimes I like a good dust jacket. It just kind of depends. I don't even know if most people even know what you mean when you say the word dust jacket. So the cover, yeah, like the cover. They call it a dust jacket. It's a cover. It protects the actual Bookie McBookerson uh, of it. From but dust. I, from dust. Oh, the corrosive effects of dust. Loose it's skin, dust as it's known in the Gormley house. Um, no, but uh, this is the first dust jacket that I will immediately throw away because it is sinfully ugly. And the book underneath is totally nice. And I'm like, can I throw it away now or should I keep it on just to protect the book? Until I can read it. But it is so ugly. It is baby vomit yellow. Uh, uh, I just don't understand. I don't yeah, understand. I, well, you know, I found with a lot of business books, I just take them off. And I, it actually, I, I like the, I don't mind. I think it, they actually look better without it, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I do love a really good cover, though. I know. I know. So. And I'm always judging them by their covers. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's fair. It's fair. Um. Okay, go on. What else are you reading that I don't that's care it, about? That's it. I'm not – well, I'm, I'm reading a survey. <laughs> Pink Ayers is a reader. But that's beside the point. Luke. Luke. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm gonna... I'll tell this. As soon as I saw it happen, I just I, – my first thought was, thank God Luke didn't have a party. Because I had a party <laughs> and everyone but my wife, which I found out literally in the fourth quarter, was going for the Rams. I did not know that. That's uh, why I was wondering why I didn't hear f- from her. What was going on? <laughs> now Shannon. Why? <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, or she's or she's known around these parts. Ass clown. Yep. <laughs> but these parts, I mean, my brain. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to play two truths and a lie. Go for it. I want you to guess which one's the truth and which and which one's the lie. Things that happen while I watch this game. I love youth group games. Okay. I uh, took off my shirt and my sweatshirt and I spat and I like swung it onto the couch like in like a fit of rage. Okay. Uh, I went turn it off and ran downstairs and took a shower and then meditated for one minute. I. Tried to hold back tears and had to uh, walk away so Aaron didn't did not uh, witness her husband crying over a game. Okay, I'm gonna say the last one is a lie because Damn it. Sharon <laughs> because <laughs> I said Sharon I combined Shannon and Aaron because Aaron already knows how emotional you are <laughs> and she watched you cry through yet another eye roll that she gave you. <laughs> yeah. So okay, let me explain the shirt thing. So <laughs> please do. <laughs> okay, it was kind of a joke, kind of not. Okay, so <laughs> when Joe Burrow started getting when he started uh, getting sacked, that's when I was like, oh, that was my worst fear. Like, yeah, the me God bless the guys on the line. They have tried. Joe Burrow was sacked. Like it's a record, <laughs> and this is their weakness. Every they have they have overcome this. They've, everything else and their defense played phenomenal. Like they five times. Like, they could have scored, put points up on the board five times. If they even, like, score a field goal for half of those times, uh, like, they win. You know? <laughs> like, or or, yeah, or yeah. it's, like, it's close, you know? And it just, it, um, and I, like, there's this thing with, um, I don't know. I'm not saying because I, I don't know, like, here's what I know about football, okay? I know how offensive lines work. 
Not as not as much as they do for uh, like in the NFL and all the different things. And because listen, I was the kind of person who anytime I had to like, anytime I had to pull, which was to like go and block on the other side, I was like, oh really, this again? <laughs> so <laughs> like keep this in mind. But like, and I and I'm a been a Bengal fan for a long time, and I just when those two things merge, I tend to be right about what's going on, mm. and I saw it. And I, I, I just like my, I knew it. I was like, this is the unraveling right here. There's always a thing that happens, and it just all falls apart. Yeah. That's also just, just the game of football. And so I was, <laughs> we had to put everybody to bed. And I was trying to be quiet, but I was so angry. I mean, I was so angry that I was like, okay, I'm going to do something that I would only do if I was alone. And kind of be kidding, but kind of be not. So I took, I have like a Cincinnati, Ohio sweatshirt. Then I have a Bengals shirt underneath it. I took off both and just slammed them on the couch. And Aaron was just like, what? <laughs> no, it wasn't like, and like a fist of rage. It was just more like, a, ah, like, you know, like again, kind of a joke, being a little dramatic, but then getting out the, like, it's like, oh, he's really hurting, but he's trying to be funny, but he's really hurting here. <laughs> and then I do this thing when when I lose and I I'm just I'm, I don't think I'm a sore loser especially if I'm playing a team sport but if I'm watching a thing that I really care about I just almost want to like just like walk away and just be like I gotta go <laughs> and so as soon as Joe Burrow got sacked for the last time I went turn it off and he goes no I want to see it and I just like went downstairs and took a shower <laughs> and just like sat there for like 30 minutes and I'd be like okay Okay, it was just fun. Because I remember when they were going onto the field for for that last drive, I had this thought where I said, I, of course I care about, like, what happens, but I was like, Luke, just enjoy this. Like, they are in the Super Bowl, and they have a chance. You know, like, they have a chance. And it's, and so there's a bunch of stuff that happened that, you know, it's like they, they helped, that could have swung the game in their favor, but this is just kind of how it goes. Their defense played on um, lights out. Their team is really, really good. If they can build that offensive line, Keep some guys and then improve in other areas in the long run. They will be a phenomenal team. And Man. it was fun. My the Bengals were in the Super Bowl and it was fun. It was I, I cannot tell you the energy in Southwest Ohio and out in Cincinnati what it has been like for the past month now. It has been unbelievably fun. So for that alone, I'm grateful. It was just fun. It was so much every everyone was just happy. Everyone was just happy. <laughs> We know this isn't going to end well, but right now we're happy. <laughs> do, do, I know. Do, do, yeah, do, so do, I'm not angry. I mean, I'm, I'm upset. Like, if I, if I allow myself to dwell on it too much, I do get a little bit like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the long run, it was fun. And I watched the game with um, Nick and his family for a bit over at the VFW Hall in the beginning. That was awesome because VFW Halls are the greatest places in, in the world. Truly, truly. And then I went back home and I watched it with Aaron and Everly. And we put, oh, okay. Can we talk about the halftime show? Yes. All right, buckaroos, here we go. It's a new BetterHelp ad read. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about better help a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around a mental health. There are a lot of people that think if you're in therapy, it means that there's something wrong with you, but that's wrong too. It means that you recognize that all humans have emotions. We can't avoid them, so we need to learn how to manage them. I love that part. We've been taught that that a mental health shouldn't be part of normal life, which is also wrong. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much as we focus on 
on our body. So as a lot of you guys know, I went to therapy a couple, like probably started maybe two years ago. It was a fantastic experience. I find that it's just, uh, just get up, like helps you on the process. A lot of the junk that's, that's happened. And a lot of the, and even like part of the good stuff too, what are some um, good things that are going on in your life? You need to recognize, or just, just having an outside voice walk with you as you process stuff is really very, very cool. And I want to, the great thing about better help is that it is a much more um, affordable than in-person um, therapy. And you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I want you to give BetterHelp a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is, is, is spotted by, by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes I'm a, and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for once again sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. I don't know about your family. My family danced the entire time. And we were getting ready to put, like, Everly to bed afterwards, so I had her, her pajamas in my hand, and we're dancing, and I started, like, like throwing around the pajama pants. Like, remember when rappers had towels back in the 90s and the early yes. aughts? I was doing that. And they would throw it around their head like a yeah. – spin it around their head like, like a, a helicopter. helicopter. It yeah. was wonderful. It was, it was a, wonderful. one of the best halftime shows. People who don't – who did not like that are horrific and should be shunned. It was wonderful. <laughs> Now, for me, because I threw a Super Bowl party and we had four Catholic families, oh, which yeah. meant we yeah. literally had 45 or 50 people there. Yeah. Uh, and all, almost all of them were under the age of, I don't know, 12. Um, what I did was I paused it right at the beginning and let it go for about five minutes. Then I pushed play. And, like, you know, Dre's going. And so we're all like, yeah, yeah, California. You know, we're loving I know. it. I was and like, then, Tupac uh, hologram? Yeah, and then uh, and then Fifty Cent, and then he just had nothing but booty dancers, and I was like, uh, skip, 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 skip. Well, skip, it's skip, funny skip. because like, I feel. I mean, I have not seen a rap video in God knows how long, but there was a lot of that in a lot of the videos when we were in college and high school and in junior high. So as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, okay, there it is. And so boom, boom, <laughs> Aaron was boom, like, we'll just kind of turn Everly away. But I was like, we are, but I'm not like turning this off right now and i mean she didn't want to either but it's just like you know we kind of don't want i don't know it's one of those weird little things we're just like Ugh. uh and so i was like well we're just gonna like kind of hear it i mean we were honestly god i'm not kidding we were dancing the whole time everly was uh dancing we were like spinning her around like it was the most fun i've had watching yeah. a super bowl halftime show 100 100 percent. and the best part was seeing the look on my sweet catholic friends faces as kateri and cecilia are rapping along with Eminem's "Lose Yourself" every single word, and one of my friends who is uh, a CrossFit instructor, she's like, "Oh, this is you come every day to CrossFit. This is literally all the music we listen to." And then when the girls started rapping, and they go, "How do they know this song?" And I was like, "CrossFit and my car." Who's <laughs> funny? Like, um, if like Shannon's just um crushing a bud, it's like, who forgot about Dre? <laughs> It's funny. Uh, I was talking with um, Anne, the person that I, I, that I work with. I, I t was talking with her daughter, who uh, who is a freshman. I was like, "So did you did you know like any of those songs?" She was like, "A, a few, kind oh, of." God, and I was so like, disgusting. "I knew all the words, <laughs> all of them." And she's like, "There's just on TikTok that I um, have to show you." And it was of this like it said, "Of moms between the ages of like I'm a 35 to 45, be like this during the halftime show," and it plays the like beginning part of that. Boom, 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 boom. 
you know, part. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like stop and go like what? And like they're like at the fridge and like like walk away. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, like everyone my age when they hear that. It's just like like guess who's back? Boom. Like you just like it just it like does something to me on a primal level. Right. I mean you got the earliest song being like California Love. Yeah. Right. Which and I then... thought they didn't did they do anything from the chronic? No. I don't think so. I don't remember. But what, what did one. him and Snoop do? What did Snoop do? They they did. I'm pretty sure they didn't do anything from any of like, like they didn't do gin and juice, which I thought they might do. And I think it was everything from like Dre because I mean Dre's yeah. 2001 or 2000 album or whatever it's called. It's, it's like half it's him and Snoop. Yeah. So it just like they just kind of like make sense. I was their thing, and they look like they're having so much fun. Like, they look like they were just like this is great. I had no idea Dre could play the piano. How fun was that? I did not see yeah, that coming. Out. He walked I mean, over to the piano. He's so big, like he he jacked up so big, and all of a sudden he's just sitting there, and I'm like that piano looks tiny to you, and he just starts going to it. And I'm like, oh, that's all. I mean, he only played for like literally thirty seconds, but so I was like, that's been, enough. This is that's all enough. I know. But yeah. no, I mean, he's a definite a music producer, so he has to understand like something about keys and oh yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, I thought the uh, Mary J. Blige, who I've never been into, Aaron knew knew all the Mary J. Blige stuff. Yeah. I didn't, but I've always so liked it. So just dance for me. Yeah, I just, the Eminem stuff I thought was great. I love Kendrick Lamar. This house um, celebrates his entire catalog. <laughs> um, it was Someone just, goes, I don't even know who that is. And Kateri goes, ugh, he's on the Black Panther soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> And they just look at me. And I'm like, well, the girl's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my life. God, what work. is it? <laughs> what is this? My, Kateri, I have to keep yelling at. I have to keep yelling at my daughter because she sings the most depressing Evanescence songs. And I'm like, I really need to not play 90s and early 2000s. Like my college catalog. I should have even wait. very good. I. <laughs> My immortal is, is beautiful. And people just keep everyone. Is it Gomer? My is it? God, my tourniquet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about the song right. Lithium? <laughs> is that an Evanescence? No, I, it's an Evanescence. Everyone song. always thinks that I'm going to really like Evanescence, and I remember being excited about it after about the about the third time I heard it, going, well, I'm not really sure about this. Wake me up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't wake up. I'm on the <laughs> Daredevil <laughs> movie soundtrack. Daredevil. Electra. Drop D. Ah. Luke hates new metal. Uh, except for Chevelle. Yeah, that's the one thing that I do not. I, <laughs> I like Chevelle. Chevelle's wonderful. Uh, it's it's funny too, you know. And I definitely understand people have issues with some of the lyrics and some of the stuff that they say, and I totally get that. Some of the okay boomerish stuff with it, I was like, okay, like relax, like I get it, it's not your thing. But for us, this is a very big deal. You guys have had the Who, you've had the Stones, you've had all these people that you just love. Now it's our turn. <laughs> like we get it, you don't like it, it's fine. Just let us have this. And there, there's this one thing I saw that uh, uh, I think I think uh, it was like Sarah Rogers who almost sent it to me. It, it said, if you've been spending the last um, month. On the, uh, with the Incantano or whatever the hell it's called soundtrack playing all the time. Incanto. This is your gift, you know, or something yeah. like that. And for us, it's been like I've heard nothing but Winnie the Pooh songs. <laughs> so it was a wonderful relief from just all of that. That's so funny. We've been listening to a band, a Christian band um, called For King and Country. Oh, I've, and, heard, I've heard of them. 
they they had the best Christmas album. I loved it. Their O Come O Come Emmanuel was awesome. Um, and I, I'm a sucker for a good O Come O Come Emmanuel. Have you it's heard all, a, of the, all of this, all of um, the Sufjan Stevens? Oh, all I love his it. versions of it. Yeah, yeah they're wonderful. Yeah, yeah. There's like 30 of them. <laughs> yeah, and I oh, I've heard the like two or three, you know, slow chill, you know, bluegrass almost style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the they had a really like a beautiful full symphony kind of thing. Um, but they're coming to the rodeo. And so um, the Houston Rodeo, which is the largest rodeo in the world. Thank you. Can you explain to – okay, people in the north do not do not understand what you mean by when you say the rodeo. Because they think you mean you're just going to see a bunch of people hurdle cows or whatever. Yes. Hurdle, and ride hurdle, bulls. Hurdle and them. for some reason there's a band there. So like, you got to yes. explain the bigger context. Okay. So the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, the old Astrodome the Astros used to play. It, they transformed the interior into a rodeo arena slash concert stadium, right? So what happens is they have a, a rotate. So it's a you know normal stadium. So they have a, ro- a giant, massive rotating stadium that they build at night. They assemble at night after all the rodeo stuff goes. Out. So you literally, like, during the day and into the late afternoon, it's uh, kids doing calf wrestling uh, where kids try to take calves and haul them into the circle for a scholarship. And, you know, they're doing all the things that you think of at a rodeo. There's rodeo clowns. There's angry bulls. There's bucking broncos. It's all that fun stuff. Luke Perry dies, you know. <laughs> eight seconds, baby. Is, eight seconds. That is a deep cut. That is a t- <laughs> I did not ever think we'd make an eight seconds reference on the podcast. But here we are. Welcome to Texas. <laughs> Welcome to episode 338. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 338, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> sorry, I said that solely that you would laugh. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so long, Catholic new, new um, listeners from the Catholic Telegraph. <laughs> we didn't want you anyway. Complaining about Dre. <laughs> no, so uh, so I was listening to, or so you go to the arena and it's all that kind of stuff. But then there is the sta- the other stadium where. Like the Texans play, and next to them is this huge convention area, and the parking lots are you know mega. So they have like a think of like a full state fair, plus a rodeo, plus a livestock showing. So you go there, and it's like uh, you know the future farmers of America, you know doing their they raise cattle and they sell their prize pig and all that stuff. And you go and you learn all about animals. So it's like the world's greatest petting zoo, farm. Central, Ranch Central. It's all of those things in one, like, two-week-long event. But the best part is, like, how it kicks off is it's just, like, this epic, I think, three-night party. I've only participated through someone who, uh, shout out to Ken, who helped build his company's, like, venue. And then you go there and you drink all night and dance all night. And so it's this huge party before the official livestock road. And then they have like parades that go through downtown. Hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, like they're, they're literally like everything from modern technology and ranching to like people in covered wagons and all that stuff. So it's the full gamut of uh, the agrarian life. Wendell Berry would be proud. And then for King and Country, we'll highlight (laughs) one of the nights. And I have missed the Texas Rodeo for the past five, four years. Every time I go out of town, um, 
Shannon, uh, a friend of ours, Julie Bork and Brian Bork, take the kids out to the rodeo, and I've always missed it. And I love the rodeo. I never went to the rodeo when I was in high school. It just wasn't a thing that I did, and I deeply regret it. So I told Shannon, I said, I am going to the rodeo the next time we go. Of course, it was canceled because of COVID. And I said, I am not going to leave, or I'm not going to go out of town. So I blocked off my whole first half of March because I didn't know when it started. And uh, and then when they announced the people that were going to be there, our friends, the Joneses, were like, hey, our kids, are they really like for king and country. And her kids got our kids to like it. So it's like, well, let's do it. So we bought tickets. We got good tickets. We're going to go. And we're going to – I'm taking off of work. And we're going to spend the whole day out there. And I could not be more excited. And then the very next day, the Batman comes out. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, okay, before we get into that. Uh, we, uh, well, sorry, what am I trying? I, oh, by the way, I'm putting, I'm being really, really cool, and I'm putting the, I got the quick bookmark thing, and I created an episode. I'm gonna have the link to the eight seconds, the, uh, the, the trailer for eight seconds. Um, anywho, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> when you do like a rodeo, like the music acts there are like huge. Right, like, like it's a thing that, like, I think up here would be shocked at some of the bands that play. Like, you have like Beyonce, you can have like, like it's a massive, massive deal. Yeah. So, um, let me see if I can pull up some of the lineup, entertainer lineup at the Houston livestock and rodeo. Do do do. A lot of it is country music. Uh, Keith Urban, Tim McGraw. I mean, but Ricky, that's like a big deal, though. That's oh, like, I'm sorry, Ricky Martin. Oh, out! Uh, she's gonna be outside, inside out, living la vida loca. <laughs> I was, I enjoy a good a Ricky Martin song, all two of them. Yeah, all both of them. Um, see, I don't know half of these people, but I do know Gwen Stefani. She's gonna be there. Chris Stapleton, Marshmello, Khalid. That's a big deal. The Khalid he does he does that once. That's a, um, so I how I get Everly to put her hands up when I put the tray on her little <laughs> thing. I go and I put my hands up. And she go put your hands up like that. Then we go, and I stay there. I mean, Los Tucanes de Tijuana. That's awesome. That was a very high pitched voice, Luke. Um, <laughs> really? What journey? That's awesome. Journey's gonna journey. be there. Oh yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, I was gonna add one more thing about. Oh, this is this is one more thing I want to say about the halftime show. This is the meme that breaks my heart. Is where it says, if you're old enough to enjoy this, it's time to schedule a colonoscopy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I had to reschedule mine. Oh, that's so funny. Well, that's just, one it, thing I'll never do until it's too late. It's Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. Um, it uh, no, you really should, actually. Uh, it, it is, I feel like our entire age group just went, oh, shh, like had a kind of a, I, I I don't think we're ashamed for how much we enjoyed it. I think we're surprised at the backlash that it got from like old and some young people, and then it's like, wait, we're middle aged now. Like I think we're, we all collectively in that yeah. moment realized like how old we actually are because <laughs> it was like I thought everyone loved this. <laughs> Isn't this what we all listen to still? <laughs> right is it on everyone else's uh itunes library i just like how i don't think people understand how much fun it is when you are at uh what was the place at rooney's on the top part and they play um in the club just how exciting that is yeah like it's just mm, 
Man. Um, hey, so I have an idea for a show. Do you have an idea for a show? Uh, no. Perfect. We're going to do 10-minute top, topics part two. Uh, these come from the Discord. So as nice. many of you know, we actually have like 27 people are on the Discord right now, and we have over 200 uh, people who are a part of it as, as a whole. Actually, almost 200. So about 200 and number 30 people who are on the Discord, including my mom, who doesn't know how to use it yet, but she has signed up uh, for that. So if you <laughs> are, if you join the Patreon, you have access to the Discord. We have a couple of our awesome fans. Um, they run it. We're on there at times. Uh, but there's a lot. I mean, like the all of the channels they have, it's super. I'm like finding out about great, like awesome, like books. Um, I mean, they, they're like like two dozen different things you, that you can get into. It's very, very cool. It's taking on a um, life of its own, and we want to see that. So if you are if you kind of person that kind of like just like um, needs a little bit of Catholic, uh, that just uh, I mean a bit of Catholic community during your day, I think the Discord's a great place for that. And you can be a part of it by going to patreon.com slash CF. That is patreon.com slash CF. So we have a 10-minute oh, topic area in there where sometimes they give us – on the topics, and at other times they just kind of talk about their own, which is kind of awesome. And it was uh, like Isaac Darby who got them going for our last episode, and she put a thing there that said, uh, and where we put all of the questions from. Check check the Discord. So I did just now, and she's and she wrote down it's go time. So there's there's some really great questions here. That I thought that we could do. All right, I'm down. I'm down. That was a long explanation. Sorry about that. It's okay, Luke. I still love you. Trying to be more more concise. <laughs> right. uh, Father, let me just talk about concise. Father David Huss sent me and the coordinator <laughs> of the liturgy a four and a half minute message. And it was awesome because it's all about like, how do we serve people who are dying in our parish and their families so that we can accompany them better? And yeah. it was all about like, we need to get together resources. We need to have it on the website, you know, in some sort of prominent way that they can always have access to it and, you know, be able to, you know, to pray with people in like litanies and when to call the church and when to request last rites and what exactly is la- like so he's going off and he's saying all this stuff it was four and a half minutes long and i would like skip and skip and skip and then i was like oh my gosh he's still talking about this so then i recorded an audio message and i said hey guys you know i've been thinking about this working with a lot of couples who are you know losing loved ones and i just thought it would be great if we put together a resource both prayers and also instructions on what a catholic funeral is what we need you know all this stuff that kind of around it i think it'd be great if we had our own parish resource for that and have it available both printed and online 19 20 see that under 30 seconds father david (laughs) (laughs) oh there's another joke that i want to make right now but i'm not going to um you're growing. Mm, I know. I, I feel like, how do you think, a, I think only a younger Luke would have handled the Bengals almost losing in the same way. I just would have been more dramatic about telling people about how I reacted to it. <laughs> I, think, I think you would have told everyone immediately. Yeah. But I've been, because it was like, after just like, okay, now I have to, I'm going to get a shower. Then I got to make sure like Everly's doing okay because she's on these antibiotics, giving her diarrhea. So I have to go, which she's going to love hearing when she goes back to hear, hear the podcast when she is... 20 i'm talking like diarrhea like three four uh time, times a day uh yeah so uh so i was like let me just do that it's it's just it's kind of nice how like sometimes i can like when you have 
I don't, I don't, and I, I want to be careful here because I, I want to respect people who like you know can't have kids and or people who aren't married or you know whatever. Um, when you, I, I wish when I wasn't unmarried, I had other things to take up my time besides myself. And I think there's a thing that I I've been I'm reading about, and it's I need to check like a couple of the sources in it, which is which has made me a bit hesitant to bring it up, but I'm going to anyways. And they in this thing they I'm gonna reference a bunch of stuff that's saying people who volunteer more just tend to be a little bit happier. Yeah, and I think there's um, something about when you have other people that you are being completely for and not expecting anything that you are from. It just takes a stupid thing like this and it puts it in, in its place. You know, where I think before I necessarily had that, so I just would have been like, do you want to hear me cry about this? Of course you do. <laughs> it's yes, only sir. The... <laughs> sir, this is a Whole Foods. <laughs> I know. Your pepperoni pizza is so good. <laughs> sir, we're going to have to ask you to get up and leave the floor of the Whole Foods. But your <laughs> ice cream is organic and it feels so cool. I'm Mochi. hot with rage. I'm hot Mo- with rage. Mochi calms me down. <laughs> what is that? It's like it's okay. So it's really good. It's ice cream wrapped in this like like it's almost like a flavor like rice thing, but it doesn't really taste like that. Uh, it's super good. I tried to get my mom into it. She didn't care for it apparently, but Aaron got got me into it, and I am obsessed with it. Okay. So you feel fancy when when you eat it, and that's the important part. That's all that matters. Guys, I am so freaking excited about this new sponsor for Catching Um Foxes. I'm talking to you guys today about Executive Coach Solutions. They are a um, leadership consulting firm that brings creativity and strength-based training to the art of business um, management. ECS works with individuals to bring out their talents to enable them to be happier and more effective at work. I cannot emphasize that part enough. I had the chance to work with them back in 2018 and 2019. It was absolutely incredible. It made me so much better at my job. I have skill sets that I use to this day. When you invest in yourself, especially if you are like a priest or if you are at a parish, a lot of times as church workers, we always don't get that soft skill that we need in order to lead well. And this is what Executive Coach Solutions does. They provide you with those soft skills that you need to be a more effective leader. And I'm 100% happier at work than I was before I worked with them. I feel like I have the tools now to really talk with anyone that I work with about, about like anything. I have the ability to set goals, set priorities. Do things that, especially if you work in the church, people don't really provide you with any of the know-how on on how to do that. And they do such a great job that any, like even if you don't work for the church, this is actually primarily for people who work in a business setting, but it 100% applies to people who work at the church as well. This is really an opportunity for like anyone who listens to our podcast who wants to get better at their career. I encourage you 100%. You're going to get all the practical soft skills you wish you had, you had learned when you work with them. So this is what I want you to do go to executivecoach.solution slash foxes and schedule a phone call talk about where you want your career to take you you're going to be better at your job they're going to give you the tools in order to do that i really encourage you just just to go to their site schedule a call talk about where you want your career to take you that website again is executivecoach.solution slash foxes and schedule a phone call today to talk about where you want your career to take you so, are we ready? Again, I'm ready. Thanks to Darby for getting this uh, going over in the Discord. Catholic Twitter is talking a lot about the new Lord of the Rings show. The music will be made by Howard Shore again, I hear. I'm hesitantly optimistic. 
What say you, Gomer? Uh, I'm not optimistic in any way, shape, or form. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm going to presume the good here. But not me. You go first. I'll tell you why. Uh, one of the greatest criticisms of the three movies. Well, okay, there are two criticisms of the original trilogy. A blog that you read a while ago has two main criticisms. Go. No, 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 no. A blog that I read a while ago, and then it was podcast that had one main criticism, which is <laughs> there are elements of the Lord of the Rings that, as a film, as films, that it, it, they're actually not that great. In the in the words of this blogger guy who is Daring Fireball, what's his name? John Gruber. Uh, Lord of the Rings is a great film, or is a great movie for people who don't like film. That was his words, not mine. But as he was going through and describing it, uh, I saw what he was saying. He's like, sometimes you like you can really notice the green screen effect. It's everywhere. Like the. Sh- there are whole scenes that have the green screen going. And he was just describing different things. So, anywho, he is a huge Stanley Kubrick fan, of which I have not really enjoyed any of that stuff. So, take that for what you will. Um, the other criticism was from the Tolkien family. And they said, you took his epic and turned it into an action movie. And while I don't care about that criticism as much for the Lord of the Rings, I mean, I get it, and they definitely did do that. But when you see how they effed over The Hobbit and how they felt compelled to turn it into a trilogy, how they pulled in the source material from other things, how they tried to make it as epic instead of just making a really awesome Hobbit movie – that is that could be a great introduction to the Lord of the Rings. No, they had to do all their shenanigans and the love affair with the elf and the dwarf and all this stupid stuff. My opinion is people who like J.R.R. Tolkien's stories but who loved What's-His-Name's movies are going to continue that vein. And that's Will I watch it? I don't know. It's on Amazon, right? I have Amazon. I might watch it when, you know. But I am not excited about it. I think they're going to I think they're going to screw it over. I really do. So, here's where I am with it. And I am I am a person who enjoys the Lord of the Rings, but I do not have the discipline yet to uh I remember, okay, so I read the books in college. I was like, wonderful, yeah. absolutely wonderful. I've not read them through the entire, like, the entire way um, since since I was on a plane in Scotland was when I completed The Return of the King, and that was it. Um, I've gotten as far as the part of the last half of The Two Towers. Because I, okay. like, I, I have them on, like, one book, and I... Oh, really, right, right, right. Yeah. And I, now the funny thing is, I have probably read the Fellowship of the Ring a lot because I love the begin. I love the Fellowship of the Ring. I love the beginning and diving into the Hobbit lore and all the stuff that goes into that and all the discovery. It just somehow, I it just for whatever a reason, I find the Frodo stuff kind of boring, even though I think it's the most exciting at the end of right. the of the of the two towers. I just I'm like oh, I don't want. I don't like. Again, like it's it's just and I it just I kind of like get lost in that and then I don't go back um, for for years. Um, but I it is a very when you get lost in those books, it's actually pretty fun. And I hope they realize that 
in the show. Like it's when Game of Thrones is at its best. It's when it, it is painfully slow, painfully slow, where there's episodes of like um, of of like Arya Stark hanging out with what's his name? Um, the Hound? Like Lannister. No, 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 no. The um, Lannister dad. Oh, um yeah. And it's like I love that. I love oh, like, as the like, servant girl or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. this is like two days, you know. And that now I love that dynamic. But I I got tired of her being trapped there. I'm like, can we just get on with this? Like, is there a way to do this and have her not be suffering? Probably not. I think they found a little bit of that with the hound. Mm. And I it's just and I don't enjoy seeing characters like I don't enjoy seeing them being completely miserable all like all of the time. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird thing where I think you have to find this balance between like trying to move the plot ahead. But then like, that's what makes these things great is that sort of like, let's just sit here for days. <laughs> and like, like, I don't remember how long the, like the table scene is with, uh, Arya Stark and Tywin on, uh, and, uh, Tywin on Lannister. Um, but it, I remember that being so interesting, that dynamic, how much you like them, just, you know, being together. So if it's a lot of that, I'm down with that with like a bit of action. I I, I kind of understand like those uh, movies had to be action because if not that I think I think right now it, if they had not if they had never done those films, of course they would make them into a TV show. But it's actually better suited to be a TV show. Yeah, in the modern way. Yeah, exactly. But like that wasn't possible back in the early aughts or in the yeah. late nineties. Um, really. And so. I, I understand the Tolkien – I understand why they might ha- – why they I would say that. But I'm like, there's no really – it's the only way to get it made into, like, a film. And you probably still cash the check. So, um, <laughs> like, I, and I get it. Like, it's not – like, it's not an action – like, it's not an action story in the slightest. And, and they made it that. But they kind of also – what are your options? Yeah. You know, you can't do a whole think about it. You would have a two to three episode arc of just like Tom um, of Tom um, Bombadil. <laughs> you know, like you totally would, and that'd be awesome. And we would all uh, we or you probably would get it down to like an episode or two, maybe like like a one and a half, or they they're there for like like one whole one, then they leave during the start of the next one. You can't do that in the movie. And he was right when he said we just broke this down to it's about the ring. And anything doesn't directly, directly do with the ring, we don't have it in there. That was kind of their, like, that was our guiding light. Because you had to have something. And I think the action, it builds to that. You've got to, I don't know what, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are better ways to go about doing that. I don't hate the films for that. Um, I, I, I'm curious because I think it's a really fun world. And I, th- the, here's the thing. What Lord of the Rings, I think all of the films, as well as, as well as Game of Thrones, there is one lesson you can take from those things. It's that if you stick to the book and find a way to stick to the book and to make it work, and, and so that it's uh, – I don't know this. If you find the if – you, if you try to find as like how can – if you have like a Venom diagram of like here's, here's the show, here's the book's con, content, have that overlap as much as you can, it'll be good. If you lean too much into the other one, I think you will um, lose people. Because mm-hmm. if like if I had a whole season, of, like Arya being stuck in that um, castle, being abs, and just seeing horrific things happening, I I, I just think yeah. I can't do this. Right, this is just 
this is I'm just so sad for her. This is I don't I don't want to do this. So that's me. So I'm curious to see. I'm I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm also probably not going to watch until I'm done with school. So and I'm probably not going to watch it until more episodes are up. So I don't have to. You know, wait for episode one to two to three because they're not going to drop all at the same time. Correct? I have no idea. I, have no I, don't, idea. I don't think so. Amazon doesn't do that. Are you Are you watching anything right now? Uh, no, because of doing Exodus in ninety. But oh on, yeah, yeah, yeah. But on Sundays, me and Shannon are allowed to watch TV, so yeah. we watched obviously the Super Bowl. But the last two Sundays, we binged uh, the Reacher show. On um, on Amazon because my my wife loves violence. <laughs> she does. She loves a, to see a good skull a crushing happen. <laughs> I, I, and that show has it all. I feel like the Lord of the Rings, the films didn't lean too hard into like some of the deeper meaning of the stories. Would you? Yeah. Uh, would you? Agree oh, with totally, that? totally. And I I kind of hope that they do that because like I don't I don't want to see them try to make it it Catholic one because they won't. <laughs> But two, they'll f it up if they do. Yeah, and the Catholic stuff like just comes out of the content because of who a Tolkien is, or sorry, who he was. Like, like that's why it's there. It's it's not you know it's it's just it just it's it's ingrained in the entire uh, theme because of who he was as a person and and like his world belief and his like profound faith in in Christ and in and in the church. So it just oozes out of it. You know, it um, is yeah. what Saint. Benedict says, nope, nope, not St. Bernard. Nope, that's not right either. Who's the B1 who was the opposite, not the opposite of Aquinas? We kind of had like a little bit of Bonaventure. Bonaventure. His whole thing about like really good ministry comes from like reservoir overflow as opposed to that you just try to pour yourself out. I think that works with a lot of Catholic art too, that it's just overflow of who you are or just art. Good art is when it's a true overflow yeah. of like who you are, and if you are, I'm Catholic. That's why people are, are attractive because it's it's you know profound truth. Yeah, it's so, speaking truth and not yeah. propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and I think if they do that, I, I'm I'm like I think that'd be kind of cool. They just again, if you just stick with it and you aren't afraid to like dive into those things. My thing I is, know. I just I just feel like it's to wrap this topic up. I feel like it is no, no, no. Let's just do another, going to be. Let's do another twenty minutes on it, please. <laughs> I feel like it's just going to be like Lord of the Rings type human or type creatures, and that's it. I really do. I think. See, this is the part where like fan fiction, world building, all this stuff. Like, I love it to a degree, but you know, it's like it's non canonical. No, no matter what Amazon does, even if it's straight. Yeah, unless it is straight Silmarillion, I'm going to be like, I don't give a shit to a certain point. But it can be fun and I can watch it and enjoy it like Star Wars. Like I can watch the other movies, but it's the trilogy like that's Star Wars. Everything else is just window dressing. Well, in the Silmarillion, though, there's a lot of stories. Okay, so are are they stories or are they more? um, It's like Chronicles. It's like the book. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like the Book of Chronicles. It's just like, and so it starts off a little Genesis style, like Iluvator, blah, 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 and the Arnor were created, and then it's the beginning of the things, of all the things, and the great lights, and then it's like, it's sweeping tales of the first age and, and into the second age, I think. So 
you you pause to dive into particular people, but because the elves don't die unless you know they're stabbed in the face, uh, their storyline can pick up you know five hundred years later. You know what I mean? So it's like, here's this hidden kingdom of the elves. Now we're going to go up north where the great darkness is coming and the battle is fighting and the dwarves are... And then, yeah. oh, now 500 years later, we're back down south with the elves who were hidden and blah, blah, blah. There's, well, I mean, just by the very uh, nature of it, though, they're going to have to make up a lot of the details. Right. So that's that could be good or bad. Right. You know, so... Because I, I know some people that think that there's some Game of Thrones stuff that was an improvement upon the books. So, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you think we've beaten this horse? <laughs> I'm dead. Why are you still beating me? I'm the ghost talking to you. <laughs> God, here's my brother. Go on off, uh, on this one now. That's, I don't know why I wanted to sound like a person from the South. Well, yeah. I was talking like a horse. So, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens. <laughs> okay. Can we, I, I just, I know we have, I know we've got it. We, ha, we ha, yeah. have some copy. My gosh. I am obsessed with Athletic Greens. I am absolutely obsessed with our next partner who has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking um, Athletic Greens because the pitch sounded very cool. This year, I wanted to just embrace embrace health again. You know, uh, that's just my big thing. And I, so it's one of the main reasons why I did Athletic Greens. And we and we uh, were able to meet with them and hear uh, a little bit of, like, what they're about, a couple other podcasts that are on par. They sent us these starter packs, yeah, which are awesome. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This is what I do. I come downstairs. I open the kennel for my dog. Dog comes out. I go right over, fill up. My glass of water, 12 ounces, cold water, dump one scoop of Athletic Greens in there, and it supplements for the whole day. It's awesome because the stuff they use is sourced from whole food ingredients, made in New Zealand. It tastes good. It's a powder that you dump into your drink. You can take it on the go. All of my health care regimens have fallen to the wayside, except for Athletic Greens. That should tell you something. <laughs> I was a bit skeptical at first just because I was like, am I going to be peeing very expensive pee? Like That's what I'm, I'm wondering. So tons of people t- take some some like type of a multi and multi vitamin, but it's important to choose one with high quality in, in greens that your body is going to like actually absorb. I could feel that happen like immediately afterwards. And I've been I'm sleeping a little bit better. Everyone, I'm begging you to buy it so they will keep giving it to us. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to. And, I mean, like I, like honestly, God, I'm not kidding. Um, we're gonna like both Aaron and I are gonna keep doing this after the problem with these sponsors we start getting them because we're doing an ad and then i end up spending all the ad money on buying more products so So here's a great thing this stuff is lifestyle uh friendly whether you eat paleo uh keto vegan dairy free gluten free Mm -hmm. it's fine it's got less than one gram of sugar uh no gmos which is very important for me and my family no nasty chemicals or artificial anything it's really good stuff so uh, this is what we're going to say. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I have the travel packs. I will be using the travel packs. You don't have to refrigerate the travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash foxes. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash foxes. Move over, Joe Rogan, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. Of catching foxes and my body. So good. It's so good. Uh, how's the fitness and reading going? Terribly. You? Okay, well, I beat Luke. I didn't get to tell everyone the funny that's story. Such, that's such 
bull. Oh, I was so mad at you. I mean, not not really. So if you are Patreon supporters, you can see the photo that I took of my watch beating Luke for the competition. And here's how the competition works. Which we told no one about. Right. Here's how the competition works. <laughs> you set your watch. You'd say, competition. And the watch just talks to Luke. And it says, okay, you got to do a competition. It's seven days. Luke's like, well, the technique says so. Yeah. Well, okay, let's do this. Uh, you have to move. You have to stand up. And you have to uh, exercise. And so the funny thing is on my old watch, if I would go and take a 30-minute walk, it'd be like, you had one minute of exercise. And I'm like, what the hell? You timed it. I did a 30-minute thing. But if it's not, like, rigorous enough, I guess it doesn't count it. But the new watch counts everything. So I'm like, okay. So me and Lucas start off, and I had – it was a Sunday, and it was the Sunday of an Exodus 90 day. So all I did was watch TV. I watched Reacher and drank wine with Shannon. And then at the end of the day, I looked down. I'm like, Luke has 600 points, which is the max you can get in a day. And I had 300 points, and I was like, oh, damn, I have barely moved. And then Luke had a snowfall, and then he set his watch to exercise, and he got another 600 points. So I'm, like, way behind Luke. So I dedicate. Okay, Tuesday, I'm waking up early. I'm doing my running. Get all that stuff in in the morning. And then at lunch, I did it. And then in the evening, I had a terrible meeting with some interesting people. And I ran. And I was like, I hit my 600. There's a couple days I hit my 600. And then me and Luke are now neck and neck. The best part, people, I didn't realize it was the last day of the competition. It had sent a little notification about halfway through the day, and it's like, oh, neck and neck, make sure you get your time in. Well, I realized that Luke, who always praises the glory of Eastern time, mm-hmm. is going to finish his competition an hour before me. So he hits midnight. It, it zeroes out. So, <laughs> so Luke goes to bed, I'm assuming, around 11 o'clock that night. Like a gentleman. I had a thousand steps. Now, a thousand, I had, no, it was probably like 2,000 steps. 2,000 steps is nothing, right? I need to get 20,000 or 22,000 in order to get my move, my exercise, all that stuff. So I realized, like, I come in and Shannon goes, listen, Kateri wants to stay up. We we haven't had a lot of, like, mother-daughter time lately. And I was like, yeah, sure, great. I got to go walk three miles. And so I was out running, walking, jogging, doing everything. I come back. I'm dead tired. I sit down for 30 minutes, and I watch Luke, and his score never changed after, like, 1030. And I'm like, okay, I think Luke went to bed. So Luke didn't max out his points, people, and I could beat him if I got enough. So I waited for Luke to go to bed, and then I was like, all right, all I need is 130 more points. So I walked until I got like 150 more points, and then I'm like, done. (laughs) And once it computed and it said I won, I was like, oh, dear God, I'm going to bed. It was like 1135 (laughs) when I finished everything. Done. Oh, my gosh. So I had a very, very long meeting that night up at work. So, you had like, like a, a three-hour three hour meeting. meeting. <laughs> I was literally sitting for three hours, and then I had to process the meeting with some people and do as as you kind of do. Okay, we're doing this and that, you know, blah, 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 because uh, some people were going out of town. I wanted to t- touch base and all this stuff. And uh, I then had to, like, drive home. So I don't get home till 11.15. Then I have to, like, say, hi, wife. How are you? How was your day? Let's chat. 
So, no, I didn't get a chance to do anything that day. <laughs> I had a freaking, like, um, 15, 16-hour day. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm sorry. I was out of the house for uh, um, 16 hours, like, door-to-door. Yeah, sucks to That's be you. Fine. So, yeah, I need to do a bit of job of that, trying to figure it out. The reading is not going well either. I'll, I don't know. I suck. Um, what are you reading? Oh, you're, you're doing all. Yeah. You're doing all school. Yeah. <laughs> we already did this last week. I, I'm trying. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll, I, I've got the Iliad. I'm, I'll get through it eventually. Uh, do you all have any advice for grad slash professional school students as opposed to just undergrad, uh, academic, or religious, and y'all's experiences? So I think she means, like, uh, how to, like, maintain, like, your faith and stuff and the academic stuff from grad school and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my my advice for all graduate school is the same, more or less, than my advice for undergrad. Like, it depends on the type of school, right? If you're going to an R1 research university, you're going to treat it different than a liberal arts. But the thing is, treat your schoolwork like a job. Like, I don't care that your classes start at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. and then that's it. Then wake up and go to the library and read and study. You know, treat your day like a normal job, right? Nine to five. So get up and do your prayer. Like, it's not impossible to have all this stuff going. Now, if you are working a full-time job like Luke and then trying to do, like, an executive degree where you're fitting it in alongside work, that's that's a different story. Your time management has to be ten times tighter. But Yeah, actually. But I think, I think the thing on principle still applies is in, like, doesn't matter. Like, these are the hours that I'm doing this. I'm going to clock in and um, – because sorry, you were gonna well, say, yeah. So say, uh, say, say one is more this thing. a is this like someone who's in their twenties going into grad school, like undergrad to grad? Did you get a sense? Yeah, of that? let's kind of assume. Well, but I, I think there are some things that kind of applies to everyone. But let's assume for, for the most part that they are in the twenties. Okay. I would say, um, and their life is yeah. Awesome. Your life is awesome. You and honestly, people say this all the time, and it's one hundred percent true. You have no idea how much extra time you have. You have no idea. The moment you throw a spouse or a child or a spouse and a child into the mix, whoa, you feel like you have no time. You have time. You just have to do a really good job at organizing it. And then it essentially takes care of itself. So what you want to do is treat it like a job. You wake up in the morning. You do all the morning stuff. If your first class if, – if, if let's say that your first class is at like 11. Like in grad school, I had three classes. My first was – it was 9, 11, and 1. So what I did was I woke up on – and it was just Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I woke up at 7 o'clock. I prayed. I probably watched a lot of television <laughs> at that time while eating a bowl of cereal. And then I grabbed my grad school notes from the night or the class before, and I just reviewed them. If I had any reading, I did more reading, right? You just do it, and then you go to grad school. So then I walk to class. I do my class stuff. I write down all of my tasks from that class. Make sure you are 100% clear on what the professor wants. The thing in grad school is when you say, like, oh, I didn't know that's what you were asking for, the professor's like, okay, fine. You fail. Like, they're not, they're not here to, like, okay, well, I understand. i got to coddle you a little bit more. No, you go and ask the professor, wait, is this what you're looking for? Like, that's okay in grad school. Professors expect to talk to adults who are taking this stuff seriously, not children who need their hands held, okay? So you write that crap down, then you walk to the library, and you hang out in the library, and you don't 
do not if you if your cell phone is going to tempt you, don't bring your cell phone. If you're going to log on, hop on the Wi-Fi, and just watch YouTube, then don't do that. Just stick with books and paper and pens, but focus on the content of what you're studying. Do that. Go to your next class. Eat lunch. Do like wash, rinse, repeat. Keep that habit so that at the end of the day, what you're doing is when you're done at 5 p.m., you have the rest of the day to do whatever. If you want to study more, you can. If you need longer reading, you got the time to do it. I wish I did this in the beginning of grad school. I did this at the end of grad school, and it was a game changer because you know what I found out? I found out that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when I got all my reading done, I could do whatever the hell I wanted, and what that thing that I wanted to do was go back to sleep, and I did, and it was glorious. <laughs> I, I would say just from a practical standpoint because I haven't listened to anything that you said. Um, I'm just kidding. Oh, fair enough. With grad school – what I'm what, this is uh, this is a thing that that Aaron told me that I really have to have to or remind myself a bit is it's at least uh, with me and with the and with the fact that I'm not doing one that's like a you know it's not like a biology or anything there's there's no like I don't have to know like every single thing that I'm being taught you know so like what are the one or two main points of this paragraph or or of you know of this page and of like this article or yeah. something and then go down the rabbit holes that you want to go down that you find interesting that pertain to what you are doing uh, it might be different if you have if you um have more of a science one where it's like hey you actually kind of have to like know your stuff you know like this there's only like one answer here or or, or, or i'm something like like that but just kind of understanding like okay it's not about like uh, uh, trying to absorb all this as it's like what are the one or two big points from this that i need to know so one thing that my accounting professor told us before we started that course now granted i was also a two-week in Intensive, so keep that in mind. And he's like, the big thing with this, if you can walk away understanding how do cash budgets work, you're good. And that he was a hundred percent right. Yeah. Everything that I'm that I have done has gone back to that. Interesting. And so I think just kind of understand what are the real big things here that that I need to understand, and then can I, you know, because and so that like you know you know. Mm, I don't. I can kind of skip this. I don't necessarily have to. Or then, if you, and I, I love your idea of like, here's my here is my schedule. I think for like for me, where that's a benefit is then I'm like, where are the whole now I can't do it when I'm taking the the you know intensive stuff. Right. But uh, where are the rabbit holes? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like where like now that I've, if I'm going to say it, I'm booking ten hours a week to, to this stuff. And my homework only took me five. Well, I've got five extra hours to, like, go down these holes. I can do a bit more research into this or that. And just because now I've, like, given myself the time. And what are the few things that I want to be able to take away from this? Which I think is one of the – it was actually Paul Fuentes who talked about that. Paul, I hope I said that. Fuentes. Sorry, Paul. Oh, he's got to give me such shit. Um, I got your back. Yeah, I think think it's so uh, important. Set, uh, Set the clock. And don't waffle on it. Like, if you crush it and you honestly have nothing. Like, here, okay, here's one of the things I started doing. I started studying political philosophy alongside um, doing my grad degree because I ended up I ended up doing what Luke was talking about where – so it was really difficult. Like, there, there are two different phases of my grad school. First phase is where I went – because I finished my undergrad in three and a half years and went right into grad school. And my half year of of my undergrad, I was dual credit, so I was in this four plus one program. But then I ran out of money, and I had to leave and get a job, and then I came back four years later. 
the two differences are when I came back four years later, I had had a job for four years, right? So I approached it with this idea of wake up in the morning, get yourself together, get your crap feeling going. Like P. Diddy? Yeah, feeling like P. Diddy. Um, so I would go to class and I would have this and I would go to noon mass. I would come home. I would get a whatever stupid lunch I was eating that day, which is probably just a sandwich. And I'd watch Conan on TBS and, I, you know, rerun a Conan. Like a gentleman. Like a gentleman, like a warrior poet. I would watch that while eating, and then I would finish, and then I would go and study more. And then I would see when Shannon, because Shannon was, you know, this is when we were engaged, she was also taking classes at the same time. And so if she was available, we'd hang out. If she wasn't available, I would literally go and read political philosophy if I was done. And the funniest thing is I would go to that library, and you have to go upstairs at Franciscan. You have to go way in the back, get lost in the stacks where the theology and philosophy texts are. I love that section. Yeah, you have to get as far away from the front doors as possible because that's where all the stupid undergrads, especially the stupid Brothers of the Eternal song go, where they just laugh and make jokes the whole time and people are giggling and flirting. Daddy don't have time for that. Daddy wants to learn. Okay, so you go to the back. Um, I would also add that this is the thing that I remember when I first started exploring grad school, talking to, to my uncle Wade about. Um, one of the biggest, especially if, especially if you're doing one that's either like in business or actually I think really anything, um, it's a network you are tapping into by being a part of whatever program you you are in. So it's why I love the Notre Dame one because it, it and truly I I like. I cannot emphasize how incredible it has been um, to be able to get to know the people that are in your program and to build up your network. Um, that has been by far the best part of this program. Hands down. It's not even close. Um, like just the friendships, one that I've made, but then two, how they've made me better at my job, how they challenged me like, to see how I could grow. How I feel just by like doing work with them. I find that I'm much more produ- – like, I really do miss all of us being up in a room doing our work. I got way more done because we're just doing – you know, I really miss – I really um, miss, like, Ryan going, hey, Luke, so, like, what is blah, 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 blah. And then, like, we would all – like, I would answer. He would go um, – uh, uh, I'm like – he would go, you know, what about the friends are? I forget their names. I would go, like, hey, Elizabeth, like, what is blah, blah, blah. And, like, that – which is that kind of like a random way to like kind of stop what you're doing, talk, but then like still, still, uh, still go over all of your work is really great. And the, and just being able to get to know those people, get to know a little bit about like like their lives and what they've done and what they are good at, and hearing their thoughts on stuff, it just makes you better at what at yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah. So good. So take advantage. Yeah. Take advantage. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not. I freaking hate. I don't want to ever do Zoom ever again. I hate it. I hate it. I just like. I really prefer just being in being in person. And I, yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Anything else? We we are like just let's let's call this the episode where we just beat a bunch of dead okay. dead horses. Um. Are are you watching the Olympics? Oh, <laughs> uh, what Olympics? <laughs> no, I am not the watching no, the yeah. Beijing games. Is it because you hate the Chinese? Uh, no, no, no. In fact, I have a inappropriate love affair with the Chinese. However, uh, I could, I can't, I can't care anymore about the Olympics unless it's a few isolated events. I really, I really can't care. I feel like it's so corrupted. It's like FIFA. 
Like, I feel like it's just awful, and it saddens my chubby and, heart. The weird thing about, like, in the World Cup, I was actually, I'm thinking about this today while I was, but by today I mean last night, uh, while I was listening to a podcast while getting Chick-fil-A, which you should never do, um, at night. I'm not saying that I'm Chick-fil-A's bad, it's just, why are you eating this stuff at, like, <laughs> 9.30, you know? <laughs> um, it, uh, in the World Cup, the thing that I really do love about it is it is it is it, it uh, is is um it, you back up Luke. It is a celebration of the countries that are there. Yeah. So it's going to a bar and it's seeing people from these other um countries and having um conversations with them about it. It's that's that, to me that's like the best. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like on TV you see you see all of the fans you see yeah. whatever you see you get a bit of the culture of the place through how the through how the team plays and all you know of the players and that's kind of lost with the uh, with the olympics it's a bit more of like a go go oh country go which i which i think is fine that's that's awesome but when you have when you add in the corruption with this it it, it just kind of feels hollow yeah. and uh it's funny i did watch the figure skating i like figure skating i like bobsledding it's just bob Same. Mm-hmm. um and i watched the 15 year old girl from the Russian Olympic Committee, the ROC, <laughs> do just incredible. I mean, that girl was incredible. 15 years old. Gosh, that's just amazing. So um, I did see that. I guess some Olympics came on after the Super Bowl, and it uh, we watched it, but there's no, there's no excitement. Like, I think they've ruined all the joy with all the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I really do think if you don't have, like, the goodness of the World Cup will trump will trump a lot of the crappy stuff, and you know, and and two, I will say this is not. I listen, like everyone who's involved with this should be held accountable to the nth degree and the full like justice of the law. But um, there was a little bit at the end of a trying to like save a face with 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 stuff where I feel like in the Olympics they, I mean, like the they had a person from that group that they are quite uh, they are quite um, they're like quite literally trying to like wipe out light the olympic torch and that just feels disgusting it's like they want to just like it just and i was like that's 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 where i don't uh, gross you know yeah. like that's just that's just to me that's are you just, saying that the china like, the chinese games they had uh the the Ugar or however you pronounce it yeah. Muslims yes oh, I, I, yeah I couldn't remember they had someone from that that group or from that they're area. fresh from a camp I mean they went camping they went camping it's fine everything's right? fine like, like it's just like oh, that's crap. why like I just so I despise China as a government right the the Communist Party is horrific everything yeah. about it is horrific right everything and. It's fascinating because, like, Hong Kong is trying to get peace. They're trying to have some measure of independence because they've essentially been raised in a British, uh, you know, part of the British Empire for 99 years. And now they had to do that transition over to China. China ensured that the freedoms they've enjoyed will say the same. And, of course, they're not at all because China is at war with the West completely ideologically. And so it's so crazy to see, like, the NBA, the NBA is has is complete because I don't follow this stuff. I don't understand why a Houston Rockets owner 
slams the Chinese government for oppression in Hong Kong and the NBA officials and like LeBron James and a handful of other like players slam this guy and tell him to get like, I don't understand the politics other than there's a metric F ton of money. Like they love the NBA in China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we had um, a Chinese basketball player here in Houston that my brother, uh, Yao Ming, my brother <laughs> loved so much. He met he met Yao Ming's parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, took out, he has photos with him and everything. Um, but, like, I, I get that, but it seems insane to me. It's, the whole political situation with what they're doing to the Muslims on one side of their country and those from Hong Kong on the other side. And we're not all condemning them clearly, like, for what they're doing. And I don't know. It, it's so bizarre that anyone could defend that regime. I'd be curious to get my buddy Paul's opinion on all this stuff because he spent a lot of time there. His uh, his wife is from there. Um, he just knows so much about um, about the history and just hearing his – like, just the story of, like, his own family members and stuff there and what people have experienced and it's – um, it's crazy. It's it's a real like it's so conflicting when you have a like I like the kids that are in the dorm with me. Like I love those kids and I love the culture that like they shared with yeah. me. Like the food, the their traditions and all. It was really really cool. Then you're just like, but wait, but this is happening, yeah. you know. And it's like, and it, it it's there are ways to rectify those two those two things. I I think, but. And I don't think like one. I don't think the good stuff makes the bad stuff okay. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But just you can, it. I don't know. Like it just. I won't ever forget teaching. Uh, uh, it was 2008. Teaching a religion class with just high school kids. Sorry, just kids from kids in high school. But it was only kids from China. And the way they answered, "Do I believe in God?" They were all from, for the most part, different parts of the same area of China, but, like, not the same city or something like that, you know. And they all give the exact same answer. It was like, I think it's a good thing that, that you do, but it's just not – I don't really believe it. It's just not – it's just uh, not like for me, but that is um, good for you. To a T, all of them. That was their answer. Uh, the only kid who was, like, adamant that there was no God was the kid from Taiwan. <laughs> and he was, like, a jerk about it. Uh and it, I was just like, wait, what? Like, the way they responded was just so – it just felt like a kind of a brainwashed answer. Yeah. Not the fact that they didn't unbelieve in God, but just, like, all these different people from, like, the, a different part of of this <laughs> yeah. country that takes a stance that there really is no God gave me the exact same answer as to why there's not one. Well, uh, so I just met this guy at my church who for 20 years was under Yugoslavian communist rule. And he told me, he's like, you know, I go to the university there. He's like, my whole life. All we did outside of the reading, writing, and arithmetic was regurgitate Marxist lines. He's like, your whole life you're taught what to say, how to say it, how to write it, how to do it. And he was like, it was horrible. It was horrific. He's like, you imagine? He's like, if we catechized half as much. He's like, but literally, you, your parents could disappear. If you didn't regurgitate it per- perfectly because that, that showed that they weren't towing the party line at home. And so everything, you know, just this constant memorization of, of all the right and wrong things to say. Bad thought. Bad thought. 
It's well, it's it's weird as as Americans because I I just it's you just you can get so caught up in your own. I mean, like everyone can get caught up in your own in your own own world, right? But we have these ideas. Our like our country is built upon ideas, and that's what makes us rare. A place like a place like China, I kind of wonder if they're trying to be like that. But for us, we have these ideas that we think everyone holds to, which is everyone um, wants everyone uh, wants like democracy. Everyone wants this. Everyone wants what's what's that. And when you come, when you have to, when you hit a place, it's just like, no, no, we don't want any of that. It's like it's so it's almost hard for us. It's almost hard for us to fathom that. Like everyone thought, if we open, if we opened up Asia, especially places that were on lockdown, to if we if we if they saw and experienced capitalism, they would be like, "Oh, never mind." Like, oh, yeah. we're sorry about that. And if anything, they're like, "Oh, great! Now we're going to add this to this." You know, like now we're going to take all the bad parts of this and we're going to add yep. it to this. So, a, like a small part of us are going to get uber rich on the backs of everyone else. Thanks for that. Like it's it, it's just it's I don't know it's it's weird. And I, I'm are you scared? About like how this is all going to end with them, not the not the Olympics. <laughs> I'm scared like, of how the Olympics are going to end. <laughs> like this, we're in a cold war e- essentially yeah. with them. Like, are you scared? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not emotionally scared right now. Do I have some sort of existential dread growing in the back of my head? Uh, yes, yes, and no. I would say yes because um, the one thing. China has is a disciplined population towards a single goal kind of thing, which is the uplift of all China, right? Even at the expense mm-hmm. of their own ethnic minorities within China, the Han Chinese, mm-hmm. the uplift of the Han Chinese. But mm-hmm. the thing that is shocking to me is like there's still a hundred years or eighty years behind the U.S. in terms of total standard of living. I mean, the vast majority of their people are still in poverty the vast majority of wealth is still concentrated in a handful of cities. And when you're talking about 2 billion people, um, it's a, that's a radical um, disparagement, you know? And uh, you're looking at India with one point something billion right next to them. And they have far more freedoms and they're growing like gangbusters as well. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if you can just Kim Jong un it to like if you just focus on military technology you'll have it, right? Like you'll be able to dominate America. Because America I mean we have we have like eight aircraft carriers that are you know, the super class aircraft carriers groups that we can field an entire air force in a moment's notice all over the world, you know, like our planes can literally stay flying all over. The- now, I, I think the posturing and I think all that stuff is shenanigans. And I think we ought to work for peace here. But I, I mean, they can actually have a hundred million man army and we cannot. I mean, they can have almost a soldier for every citizen in the U.S. That's the existential dread. And I, you know, it's funny because I don't know, like, what, okay, but like, what type of soldier, you know, that, that's where right. my mind and, goes. And they're they're going to be poor, 
they're not going to be well fielded, you know, like they're not going to have the best, yeah. but Chinese AK 47s are still AK 47s. Yeah. And I remember like when I was at the dorm, the amount of kids who have like, yeah, I've like, you know, I go to camp. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but like I've shot guns and stuff because of on behalf of my country. And I was like, wait, what? You're 16 and Gene, you're 85 pounds. I don't understand. What do you mean? <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, Next it's, question. It's crazy. Uh, that's pretty much it from the from the Discord. Oh. oh, here's one more if if you want. Yeah. What's the appropriate amount of pessimism and angst to have when once in a lifetime recessions and disasters seem to happen every eight to ten years, especially <laughs> for us those taking out sizable student loans? Oh, do I have some thoughts on this? Go for it. Uh, yeah. Real shitty, huh? <laughs> sure does suck. <laughs> sure does suck. Um, I, I think a bit of perspective is really, really good. And understanding, like, where you are and what's going on. And I'm not saying compare yourself to other people. Be like, man, I'm glad I'm not them. But I'll never forget, uh, again, going back, to, going back to Uncle Wade in 2009, me complaining about, you know, blah, 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 blah. Him just being like, shut the F up. You're on, like, you have a golden, golden like, ticket. Like, you have no idea how hard <laughs> it is right now. Mm. You, you, you know, and I, um, I'm not trying to say, and, and that doesn't mean like the pain or the stuff or the fear that I experienced, uh, um, that like it wasn't real. But I do think there's a little bit of a difference between being like, you kind of have to like accept the fact that okay, so my earning potential might be pushed back a bit. This is not going to be the way that I thought it was going to to go. But especially if you are young and going through all this stuff, like. Do your best to really understand like where you are and where you are going and what other people are experiencing because it's very easy to get like caught up into like how this is impacting me. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. So you go from the 2008 recession straight into uh, you know we have not straight into, but then you get a little reprieve and then all of a sudden it's it's global pl- pandemic time. You know, um, and then I, I think the bigger problem is right now we're going into an inflationary period where, you know, people are using phrases and economists aren't predicting this, but runaway inflation is the worst thing that can happen to the poorest of us in America. The worst Mm -hmm. thing that can happen to the poorest of us is runaway inflation. And when you start to think about it, right, as the dollar, as the value of the dollar plummets and more dollars are created in terms of stimulus and which makes the value of the dollar plummet even more, the people who are the – this is the thing. That when you want to talk about systemic injustice, here's a systemic injustice. The Federal Reserve pr- system prints or, you know, really digital ones and zeros, Here. allocates more money. Comes libertarian Gomer, yep. everyone. Then the allocation of more money is diffused along the most connected, the most powerful banks, usually, you know, central banking system. Then the oil and gas sector gets their cut because many people don't know this, but dollar bills are only, or oil is only traded in the U.S. dollar, dollar bills. Everyone wants a a U.S. uh, $100 bill. So then the idea of that, like we were able to outsource some of our inflation to foreign banks, to foreign countries because of their oil reserves and just the purchasing of oil. But then here's the deal. As the extra money works its way through the economy, by the time it gets to the mid-level area, 
it's the the effect of it being worth less triggers prices to start climbing up. The last person to see their dollars go up is the ordinary lower to lower middle income class people. The last person who's going to get a great uh, a raise is the fast food worker, the the janitor, right? The teacher. Like they're the we, we, those of us in the middle to bottom rung will see new dollars or more dollars at the very end, which means we will be paying higher prices, right? For a long time before our dollar amount gets there, before our income gets there, which means that those who are rich, wealthy, and connected will have the benefit of more dollars with more buying power because it hasn't worked its way through the economy and had its inflationary effect. So that means, yet again, the poor get screwed and the rich do well in an inflationary model. It reminds me of the uncle in Seinfeld, but she's on a fixed income. (laughs) Like if you're pulling down a pension, if you're pulling down, uh, if you are living off a safe withdrawal rate of 4% from your, you know, you're on fire or whatever you're doing, you get a pension, you get a fixed money from social security. And all of a sudden $1 is worth 75 cents in a, in a hyperinflation. Well, you know, it could be worth a lot less than that. Your your money is worth less, but you're not necessarily going to get more money. If you qualify for $2,000 this year and you're 72 years old and you get $2,000 a year from Social Security, that $2,000 is not going to buy a lot of crap. And you throw on top of that the shortages post-COVID, things are naturally going to be more expensive. So you're a poor person who can't, who, who now things are just the prices going higher, and now you need to buy a minivan, a used minivan. Used to cost $5,000. Now it costs $15,000 for a piece of crap used minivan. The poor suffer the worst. The poor suffer the worst. And now you're selling it. You're selling it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, um. I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah, I'll be honest. I am. A, that's and it's. It's again like perspective. Like I can, I I'm like I I'm, we we are feeling the pinch here. Like I think the average yeah. h- household seen an, an increase of like two hundred and fifty dollars a month or something along those lines. And I can definitely like I can see that without a doubt. I can totally uh, see that, and it it does um it does really concern me, and I yeah. uh. And I don't, I don't know how you like. I don't know. It's, it's, it's. I'm, I'm gonna try to get to, to like to the heart of it. Like, how do you not freak out about this, or just be mm-hmm. like, like angry, or just get bitter? And I think it's easy to do that. I think a lot of like, there's a bitterness that like you know, like I definitely had. Um, but I also because th- I remember just I, like I remember back in 2008 or 2000 and 2007, and just like. I mean, honest to God, like um, there were a couple jobs, offers, things that I had accepted or was about to or like going to the final round of interviews where all just went gone. Stop. We're not we're we are not hiring and just feeling like what is wrong with me? Why does this keep happening to me? And like quite often it for, for whatever reason, it didn't dawn on me yet. Like maybe this isn't you. I was just so focused inwards. I'm like, well, clearly mm-hmm. it's my fault. And um, and there were definitely things that I turned down or things that I didn't pursue that I 
could have that would have made that a little bit easier. But um, you know, I'm, I won't ever forget going back to DC three years after I had left and seeing where I were at the borders where I worked, and it was all empty. Like not the borders, but the entire our shopping area was empty. It, all the stores, the businesses, yeah. every everything was gone, and I could not believe how dead it was for the time of day that I was there. Isn't that funny? I could not believe it. Now they bounced back; it's fine. But like it was like like you know, just think of how many. What's people, there now, though? I don't. know. I couldn't. Even it's not. It's, it's it was, probably more. It was Tyson's source. Corner. It was Tyson's Corner out in uh, Vienna. Virginia, I forget, I forget the name of the city, but it was like right by where we lived. Um, you could basically run there. It was like a mile or so away. And it was just, I could not believe how empty it was compared to the, what, what it was before. Mm. And it just, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure like, and this is the thing too, like, like I, I don't know. It's always working. Like what's going to happen? We, the United States has been through this stuff before and so there is an element of like we'll we'll get through it, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be brutal, be painful though. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't. You know, but I always want to say like this, like especially with history. I heard a great quote that said, Ex- "Experience is another word for predictability." Mm. And I like that this idea of like, well, this guy has experience, so you, like really. But what it means, like, you just know what you're going to get with him. Yeah. And when I apply that to history, I'm like, that's true. Until it's not. And that's that's the part that kind of concerns me. But I wouldn't freak out about the until it's not part until it's not. Yeah, and the, the thing is, inflation in, a, in an inflationary economy, people who take out loans are the luckiest people. Because as the value of the dollar plummets and, and the, the price of wages goes up, well, you know, we paid $15 an hour. Now we're going to pay $22 an hour. You're like, oh well, my hundred thousand dollars student loan doesn't seem as big, and it, and it's funny because a hundred thousand dollars, yikes! But at the same time, you're looking around like like home prices, right? I'm looking around. My home is worth a hundred and twenty thousand dollars more than I paid for it six years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe a hundred and fifty now. It's, it's almost it's almost at three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, the last time we checked, it was almost at three hundred thousand dollars. My home is not worth three hundred thousand dollars. But if, you know, the housing market is a big place where the inflationary, you know, effects are felt. And so if we're seeing inflation and not just shortages, but in a true inflationary economy, then, yeah, then my house is actually worth $300,000, excuse me, because the value of the dollar is going down. It's not that the value of my house is going up. So it's, or, or not just that, it's, it's, it could be both. But so that's why like things are nuts right now. So if you have a student loan, it benefits, see, this is the problem. It benefits the worst and it, and it, de- and it punishes the best. So the best is to live on your means and to save as much as you can. But if inflation is stealing money from you every year, then to be a saver is stupid. You need to be an investor. So you inherently have to go into something a little bit more risky in order to deal with the offset of inflation. I'm sure everyone's excited that I've said the word inflation 6,000 times in the last uh, you're 10 You're loving minutes, this. But, you're loving this. Oh, my God. But just think, I mean, like, it screws it is, over yeah. the poor. It screws over savers, which are more responsible people. It's It rewards people who get money and throw money away, like – 
you know, because you're able to pay it back easier with the value of the dollar when it plummets, things happen. And here's the crazy thing. You know what China does the whole time? It just pegs its yuan to the dollar because we buy all their stuff. So they want a devalued yuan compared to the U.S. dollar. So it's usually eight to one. And then what's his name? Trump started trying. He said that that was an economic act of war. And uh, which in a lot of ways it is. I mean, it's 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 directly manipulating their. It's not just letting the market decide your economy. You're directly manipulating it so that the U.S. dollar is strong against the yuan. So you buy all your goods from them. It's crazy. There's so much interwoven. We are all inheritors of dead economists. And we have no idea how much their views are killing us right now. I'm crying. <laughs> how badly do you want to go to antiwar.com? right now no not not super bad not super bad i don't because i know the kind of man i i've gone a couple times especially with the china <laughs> stuff but i um for the sake of my wife i have to I forgot limit. it was i forgot that website even existed and it still looks the same it has not changed since 1996 it's a feature not a bug <laughs> well luke thanks to our uh, sponsors better help uh, athletic greens and executive coach solutions yeah, woo. Oh, big thanks to Executive uh, Coach Solutions for uh, talking me off of a cliff the other week. That was great. So she uh, heard the podcast. So it was like, hey, let's, uh, let's talk. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing well. Oh, man. I get you, so, buddy. I get yeah. you. All right. Uh, thank you guys for paying attention to Catching Foxes. And if, and, and if inflation scares you, go to patreon.com slash CF. And make and it less can... scary for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which in turn will make it less scary for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We got through five topics. That's what. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm going to stop so, so three chitty chat. Two, one. Can I urinate, too? Uh, okay. Wait, wait, did, did you stop? No, I got that recorded. Whoopsie. All right. Three, two, two one. one. <laughs>